welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. All right, welcome in to the Six Again podcast. Uh, my name's Adam. Hey, how you going, guys? I'm Jared. And we have a huge show coming up because um, there's been a lot going on in the world of rugby league, uh, at NRL specifically. This is your first time listening to Six Again. Welcome. Uh, we're just a couple of mates who like to chat footy. Um, and it's a pretty big episode to come in on. And this is our wrap-up of round 11, 11 already. And we will get to the games at some point, but there has been some big stuff going on off the field as well that we need to talk about just to get out of our system. And you might notice I'm wearing all baseball gear for this episode. No league gear because Major League Baseball has, re- has started for the season and I freaking love it, so get over it. Jared, what have you been up to? Yeah, I watched like three Not watching baseball. baseball. Oh, so good. Not watching baseball? Oh, Sunday was a bit disappointing. I went and saw my parents on the weekend. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Not because Slam. of that. They're Bulldog supporter and I support Newcastle. Oh, yeah. That... Jesus. Yeah, Adam just spilled his espresso martini everywhere. But yeah, so they're Bulldog supporters. I'm a Newcastle fan. Spent all Sunday afternoon with them and... They they were nicer than they should have been after that effort. Let's put it that way. Oh, what happened? Because, like, Bulldogs got a horrible roster, can't score points, and you've got, like, a finals bound roster. Of course you won. Yeah, you'd think so. But, yeah, we'll, we'll touch Yeah, what that really right happened now. is you wrecked my full round because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that I, was I, the given of the weekend. I felt really sorry for you, to be honest. I really Thank did. If I'd as got soon that, as they lost, I was like, oh, poor right Adam. top of the table. Thank you. That's poor how you should think. But, yeah. I heard you had an interesting weekend. Uh, what did I do? Oh, what? Oh, open house. No? <laughs> so you talking yeah. about? I've no idea. Oh, yeah, we had an open house. Um, a house on the market last Monday. We had an open house Saturday. We had a contract offer today, and it's Monday. That's cool. Scares the hell out of us because now we've got to work out what the hell to do next if this actually goes through. Because um, mm-hmm. we don't have any land or a build or anything like that yet, but suppose what happens down the track, we'll see how we go. Exciting times. Um, and then yeah, Sunday I sat on the couch and uh, actually no, we didn't. We took the kids to Chipmunks, which is like an indoor playground. It's awesome. Yeah, you would it's- have more fun than the kids. Oh, no, no. Addy and Annabelle love it, but they have to have adult supervision because they're under six, which means... You get to play. I get to play. And parents get in for free because you're supervising. So it's pretty much just running around, going down slides, jumping in ball pits. There's a trampoline in the middle of the maze. It's so good. It's so much fun. And then got home, kids went to bed, had about two hours on a weekend. With nothing. Maddie was shopping, kids were asleep, and I sat there and watched baseball and drank beer. It was amazing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, what other news has happened in the football? Oh, yeah. Rugby League. I also watched a fair bit of I got to watch six games on the weekend. It's probably the most I've got to watch in a weekend this year. Um, 
But yeah, off the field, stuff is dropping everywhere. So we're going to start at NRL headquarters with our ARL commissioner. So he's had a three completely randomly different. I don't know if they're issues, but well, compared to what else has gone on this year, they don't seem like issues. Um, do you want to get the Sunny Bill stuff kind of over and done with? Because it's probably the quickest story. Yeah. So Sunny Bill, the order. Who was the auditor's name again? Uh, Richard Ham uh, Gardham. Gardham. So he rated that for the future of Sonny Bill for the rest of the year, he's worth 400 grand. Uh, yes. Because they're only get to play him for about six games, I think. So. No, there's nine games left. Two no, no, so I've got the dates here. No, they, the adjudicator had him at 400 grand for the season is what he'd be on yeah. at this stage of his yeah. career. So that's if he played the whole season. And now he's only worth 150. Yes. Because so, he's only playing like eight games or something, and that's if they make the grand final. Yeah, that's if they make the grand final. Um, so he's flying in this Thursday, starts his quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. And then I'm guessing, and then from what I understand, he has to do two weeks of training with the team. Yeah. But it looks like it's not official yet that he's signing with the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. And they're getting him for 150 grand. Yes. That's a steal. For, I know he's only playing like eight or nine games, but that is, he can win like four of them by himself. So, yeah, it could do. It'll be interesting to see. Um, you'd expect him to be in, in decent nick because he was training with Toronto and all that before it came down. But in saying well, that, to, that to be honest, as well. Everything you hear about this bloke, um, he treats his body better than anyone else. Yep. So Mitch Orbison he, came out and stated yeah. that he that Brewsters are still doing uh, practices that he brought to the club when he was there in 2017, 17? No, 2013, because they beat us in the grand final. Jesus. Okay, so that was a while ago. But yeah, he's they're, they're, they're still doing the same things that he brought to the club mm. now. Yeah, and crazy. like I said, and how quick, how often things in the NRL change as far as preparation and new scientific stuff comes out to get the body ready. They're still doing stuff he personally brought in. that Not the physios that he brought in. Yeah. So... Chances he um, put that... Oh, no, this is before he played for the All Blacks. Yeah, so... Oh, this is... He played for the All Blacks before that. Then he came back, went and played oh, for yeah, the All Blacks sorry. after that. So, look, anyone who thinks that this is a bad buy because he's going to be 35 by the time it comes around, like I, like I said, they got him for 150 grand. All he has to do is win three or four games or, you know, have a few try assists yeah. and make a few breaks. That's all he has to do. And with the injuries the Roosters have, like it's a, it's an ideal pickup for him because they're going to have a back row now of Cordner, Sonny Bill, and Angus Crichton. Yeah. Fuck that. That's not cool. I'm <laughs> a Roosters fan. Um, yeah. So the ones that we're missing there, in order to facilitate this, because Roosters are already at their thirty player maximum. Um, you don't have 30 players on your roster. So they released, I just want to get his last name, 
pronounce correctly here. Oh, Asu uh, Kapoa uh, released him and he's since joined the West Tigers and he's since signed a three and a half year deal that will keep him at the West Tigers till the end of 2023. So he's an outside back uh, playmaker of sorts as well. So mm. West Tigers probably saw that opportunity and were like, yes, please. You'd expect anyone in the Roosters top 30 to be pretty talented at this point in their club's history. So that's probably a, a good pick up there for the Tigers and an immediate yeah. signing. So this so is all pointing towards it's going to be happening to the point where I think Blandy's came out and said that the NRL will do everything in its power to ensure Sonny Bill can come back and play. Yeah. Um, Which is... I'm sure he'd be... I think that's a blanket statement that they're going to do it for any player who's looking at this opportunity. But Sonny Bill's yeah, the only one in the news for it. And look, the marketability that Sonny Bill's going to bring mm. is, is, is going to bring in that much money times 10. To in the, viewership, at home viewership, yeah. you'd say. Because yeah. there's a bunch of and capacity then, at the moment. And then anyone who says about this bullshit sombrero thing, um, all they have to look at is the news that come out today that Luke Keery's taking a $250,000 pay cut to stay at the Roosters. So, yeah, I got a list. Just remember the saying, so, guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. So, another thing about it is that I like to bring up is, so, Keery, I would say, is probably the form half the competition. Yeah. He'll be up there. So, Right now, he is currently getting less uh, paid less than these halves in the NRL. Kieran Foran, Ash Taylor, Ben Hunt, Cherry Evans, Nathan Cleary, Michael Morgan, Anthony Milford, and Mitchell Pearce currently getting paid more than Kieran will see, receive on this new deal. Oh, on a new deal. Oh, yeah. that's gross. So... And you'd say, other than probably Nathan Cleary and say who's the other one, say Cherry, Cherry. So other than Cherry Evans and um, Nathan Cleary, uh, but, but in saying that too, I still reckon currently he's better than both of them. Yeah. But um, the other lot aren't playing well enough to be earning more than Cleary. But that's the thing about the Roosters, and Jake Friend's done it the whole his whole career. Taking pay cuts, considering yeah. what he's actually worth to play there, so they're not over the salary cap. Stop whinging about it and get on with it. Yeah. Manly did the same. Uh, Melbourne did the same. Yeah. To a point, we found out they didn't the whole way through. <laughs> um, uh, the Stewart brothers took unders. Um, what may took unders to start with. Uh, You've just got to do it to keep a, a premiership team together. And that's what happens with a hard cap, and that's what it's designed to do. Players either take less... At that stage of their career, they either take less um, or you move on to continue that. Yeah, so... Look, it, yeah, at, at one club the whole way through. I guarantee if Luke, Luke Keery came out tomorrow and goes, who's got the most money? I'll come to your club. Yeah. He'd have 15 clubs lining up for him. So, yeah, it shows what the Roosters are and good on them for getting Sonny Bill back. It just scares me more how good they're going to be because they've got Sonny Bill. Yeah, so back. the first team that would be looking uh, to play against him would be his first match. So the earliest he could play would be the August 22nd 
clash, which would be the West Tigers. Uh, but it's more likely to be a week after that, which will be round 16 against Brisbane. Um, <laughs> news for the Broncos. Um, or it may be the round 17 trip to Canberra. But that, that, there you kind of three games with, I guess the Brisbane-Canberra one will just go down to what shape he's in. And what the team situation is, I'd say A on the ladder and B injury. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's but I, I imagine around sixteen, um, they'll give him four games before the the final start, which hmm. will be that's all you'll need to get ready for. Even they bring him on the bench for like forty minutes, twenty minutes each half. Like that's all they have to do. Uh, and uh, sorry, the other sticking point with this is there's an NRL, there's a rule in the NRL uh, policies, procedures, whatever salary cap that players cannot hold a dual contract. So a contract in the NRL and a contract in another rugby league uh, competition. So that's the, that's been the sticking point. And Vlandis has said, this is like extraordinary times. Mm. Uh, we're willing to look over that sort of stuff. So they're just finding a way uh, policy-wise that by signing the NRL deal, A, it's not going to discount his Wolfpack deal, which couldn't, is worth up to $5 million next year if he chooses to go back for it, um, and, and vice versa. So that's just a sticking point there. And I'd assume there's another any of the other 15 Aussie New Zealand players who want to come back will be able to as well. Um, so this is a story that's... Our next story is one that's changed again about another exceptional athlete. So Joseph Sawali, we last reported that Rugby Union had then, this is the kid who'd signed for the Rabbitohs as a 17 year old for two point, sorry, for 1.7 million over three years. Rugby Australia, AIUs then went, came out and said $3 million over three years, even though those figures were never 100% uh, confirmed, but what was confirmed is that he was going to be fast-tracked into the Waratahs and Wallabies teams, quite possibly playing as early as next month. Now, that's a pretty big carrot to drop in front of a kid in saying that he's played his entire life. He's been rugby league his entire life, except for these last two years at high school, where he's been playing in the first 15 in rugby. Now, the talks with the NRL, ARL are back on. And Vlandis is all is even looking at the point of changing the rules uh, to allow him to play this year. So you're not allowed to play in the NRL till you're at least till you're 18 years old due to safety concerns and talent concerns and body development, et cetera, et cetera. However, in a situation like this, where you can see the positive outcomes this could bring to the rugby, to NRL and rugby league, uh, sponsorships, viewership, this, they're talking about this sort of athlete. We want him to stay, we need him to stay in rugby league. Um, having Union take a kid like this into their game is a lot different to them taking. Lottie Dakiri or Wendell Saylor or someone who's achieved everything already. Um, if this guy pans out, we don't want the next Greg Inglis, Sonny Bill playing for the Wallabies when he could be a rugby league kid. So what he said is, Blandis, and I quote, 
we will look at anything that is to the benefit of the game. That's what the commission is here for, to look at the benefit of the game, the promotion of the game and the outcomes of the game. We should look at every case on its merits. We should not have blanket rules that stop you from doing things that are for the benefit of the game. So it looks as though they're gonna be taking this to uh, ARL. If they sign it off, the Rugby League Players Association will be consulted before any final decisions made because the player safety has to be part of this as well. Well, it has to be the main part, not just part of it. And on top of that, the Rabbitohs have increased their three-year deal to a four-year deal worth two and a half million. So the kid's got a lot to think about. He's got an extra year of security in rugby league, um, 500 grand less in cash. However, he may be able to play in the NRL as early as literally the 1st of August, which is also his birthday. Anything on this, Jared? I don't like it. Uh, um, yeah, I think you think when you said the fact that he, if he makes it. So yeah. look, he's got to make it. And oh, the, the, me, do you make? Do you mean make it to play a game in the NRL or make it? No, yeah. make it, make it be elite star like everyone's yeah. saying he's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's that's the. Why is that? That's the him? thing. What? Why is that on him? Because the NRL and rugby union have already gone to battle over this kid. Yeah. The NRL has increased their um, offer to him. Yeah. And now he's got to um, back that up. That's all on him now. As soon as he signs a contract, it's on yeah. him. Um, as soon so, as he signs that contract, he's going to earn two and a half million whether he plays one yeah. game. Or... And then when if he's if he's not up to that standard by the time he's nineteen, he's going to be out in his ass. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty. He'll be, be twenty-one by the time he'll be twenty-one. Okay, so he if you know, I'd, I'd hate for him to get injuries. I'd hate for him to get um, anything go wrong with him. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I think uh, this kid doesn't have anything to lose, I don't think, because either way, he's going to be getting a big deal worth a lot of money. And regardless, yeah, but... if he turns out to be elite, he's still going to get all that money that's on his contract. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that with the Fafita signing and the policies and procedures with the player being released early and all that sort of stuff. But I think he's just got to, he'll just come out and play. It's the two codes that are fighting an arm and a leg to keep this kid because they see his value. Yeah. And it's and important, if he, but if there's he no pressure on the kid to... Yeah, there's 100%. Anyone who signs a contract like that, there's pressure on you. Well, if it keeps going as it is, hopefully by halfway through this contract, it's seen as just eh, money. Hopefully. Um, yeah, but... Not based on um, performances, based on the rest of the comp earning more is what I'm getting at there. Yeah, I just... Yeah, mid-ground players are on. It, it just... Pe- people just put... Uh, oh, sorry, not people. If you're going to come with this price tag and you're going to come with these headlines before you even debut, mm-hmm. you get pressure on you. Oh, okay. I think... Like, the spotlight's going to be... It's not like... Jack John's debuting on the weekend where 
it was a bit of a fun joke that, um, yeah, you know, they're referring he, to him as Johnson. Andrew John's nephew. Not yeah, Johnson. so it's not like that where they were expecting mir- miraculous things out of it. Are you, are you, you're talking specifically about external pressure. There's external pressure yeah. from the media and fans and all yeah. that. Yeah, and stuff. you know, you, you come in to a team and you've got you know journeyman in the team. You know, yeah. 28 years old. Yeah. On a, on a um you know a minimal contract, and then you turn around, you got this 17 year old who's not yeah. standing up in the NRL, and they're paying him two times more than anyone can get. So I think in the team there's going to be pressure as well for him. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. I'll I'll I'll, I'll reset. Even if there is all that pressure, blah blah, that that's going to be external, internal from the club, etc. Um, he, him as a player, does not have to play up to that pressure. If he doesn't. Yeah, there might be more pressure. There'll be questions asked, et cetera, et cetera. But the worst thing is like, oh, he's considered a flop for the first couple of seasons, but he's still going to get his money. He's still going to see out the contract, all that sort of stuff. And I think, who we were talking about the other day, um, it takes, what, two years, three years, at NRL mm. level to actually start really showing what you can do. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll give you a comparison right now. A comparison? So right now. Yeah, comparison? Comparison. Comparison. Shut up. So right now you've got uh, Kalen Ponger, right? Yeah. Um, he's still got a long way to go. Yes, but the pressure's still there on him, isn't it? Yeah. But so, on, and he, he came in with less fanfare than this bloke's going in with. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I want him to do well. I have no issue. I just think that it's, it's too much for a kid that age. And he's not... He's going to be in the limelight every time he rocks up the training, all that kind of stuff. He's not going to get a chance to build his craft without um, people expect, expect, expecting too much. So, Caelan Ponga burst onto the scene when he signed that deal. I remember you and me watched his first game at your house together against oh. Manly. He got a high tackle, then he scored a try in about five yeah. minutes. Um, and he, in the first year, he, um, you know, I reckon he lived up to it. And then last year, he kind of faded. This year, he's, you know, I, I, I personally think it's not his fault, but that's, a, that's an argument for another day. Yeah. But he hasn't been playing well this year. I don't think it's yeah, boy. But um, because what happened in the NRL, he figured out people figured him out. The next level, um, different challenge. But that's the thing; he's got to he's got to be better than Pongo was that first year, and then he's got to keep that standard throughout. And that's the reality of it. And NRL is a tough game, and. I just, I, I hope he doesn't, but I just think at such a young age, I can burn somebody. And then yeah, don't forget, can. and don't forget, um, he's still going to turn 18. And then 18 opens up a whole new range of shit. And 
and a lot of things can go wrong and he's got all this money sitting there. He's going to have people outside into his ears doing saying this, that, and the other. Um, one of the biggest things about Ponga was that he was emotionally ready for that kind of stuff. He had the, he was a, yeah. what did they say? Um, I haven't heard anything about this bloke that is he no, ready. he's very, very grounded family, very grounded. Is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah so... He's, he, his whole upbringing was like Glenmore Park, um, rugby league from a young age, just yeah. club 40, so, like the first look, of his life where he's been in a private school. But I, I'm, when I'm, he's living up and playing up to that thing, I think... I'm happy about the golf. There's so many... If he wants, if he wants his next contract to be as say lucrative as this at the next stage, then yeah, he has to be like that over these four years. If he plays average level footy um, with this much talent, he'll still get another contract, but it's not going to be obviously in these bigger numbers. I reckon he's just. I hope he's yeah, but- here just saying, just come out and play. Um, we don't need you to score twenty tries a year. We don't need you to set up fifteen. We just want you to get through a season as a 17, 18-year-old and play a role, contribute. Okay, so this year I've heard um, compar- comparisons. Uh, not, sorry, not comparisons. I've heard people criticising Tumalolo. Yeah, I know, because they got nothing else to talk about. That's what's going to happen to him. I know, because right now there's nothing else to talk about because there's hardly yeah, any sport on. That doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. Cowboys are losing. Tumalolo's getting paid a million dollars a year. He's not pulling them out of this shit. Of despite not. the fact it's not a sport he's making 30, a 30 plus tackles a game. He's making over 200 metres still a game. But still saying that, people go, going, why isn't Tumalolo doing better? He's still because the best. Because they don't the understand team. the game. They've got too higher expectations. They've literally Yeah, but that's, the, that's the point. Half about. the media who criticise these players don't understand the game. It's been the same thing. This that's what I mean. Eight, when he's 17 years old. You can see the journalists who... This is going to sound really um, biased. Oh, not biased. This is like... It's funny. Like, your journalists generally who do writing um, rather than TV personality sort of journalism are the ones who ask the deeper questions, get like more information, all that sort of stuff. Your TV ones are just going like, how do you feel yeah, after winning that game? Like, uh, good. Thanks for the in-depth question. Um, they're just looking at comparing Tom Lowley's stats. He's still the best forward in the game. It's not even close. Yeah, and him on an average days. Winning. Huh? It doesn't matter the if they're not, not winning. winning. No, not and, he's, <laughs> and the fact that he, yeah. he, he's still keeping that standard that so everyone's yeah. used to it. They're yeah. criticising him. And this they kid... Won't bother him. No, he's he's twenty eight. This this kid's got that going to have those questions put to him at seventeen. I don't know. I reckon he, like the team that he's coming in. There's a lot of other stars in there that will take the brunt of it. Yeah. So Latrell Mitchell to take away the spotlight of being an overpaid flog. Right. Damien um, Cook. Any of those? <laughs> nah, I, I didn't mean that last one. About Suwali anyway. I don't know. Um, I hope he um I, I hope he does well. I reckon like because it's, yeah I I think there's more pressure on the NRL to make sure that they've made the right decision. Yeah, which comes so down if, to him. If if he doesn't play well, I think the feedback, the backlash will go on the NRL and South, not the kid himself. Yeah, um, but NRL don't need any less headlines. Yeah, I'm just headlines. saying. I think that's where the pressure. Will, if he's twenty, 
and still playing like this, then yeah, okay, you've had three years now, you should be up to blah this level. Can I ask a question? Mm. In New South Wales? Um, I, I would say so. He grew up... Um, you got another <laughs> one there, yeah. Uh, well, he's playing all his junior club. Look, he'll play his first senior game in New South Wales. Yeah, if he if he's... Imagine um, playing your first senior game for... South um, Sydney. Just an NRL side. Not yeah, so um, if he's if he's to the standard that everyone's saying he is, he should be playing in a role by 20, at least. Uh, playing State of Origin by 20 for yeah, New South Wales. Unless he's, a, unless he's a Kiwi or a Tongan. Yeah, like if COVID and all this stuff hadn't hit, um, I don't know if this would be as big a story because he'd be playing... He'd probably already be playing for um, South Feeder Club. Um, and it's not going to be, oh, you should see this guy ripping up in New South Wales Cup. He'll be making the step up later this year, whatever. Um, so hopefully hopefully this all gets settled. Um, it'll be settled either way on the 1st of August, so four days away. So we'll uh, obviously keep an eye out on that. Now, the other thing Vlandis has been um, putting out in the media, uh, I think the last straw was the bunker decision in the Sharks uh, Dragons game on the weekend where two bunker referees have been stood in, were stood down over that decision and, and ensuring they couldn't participate in Sunday so all of a sudden they found two other people wait sorry sorry okay um, so I just jumped on Facebook and um, it came up with a headline about Suwali again uh oh uh, it's going um, to the union after we've said all that. No, no, no. no. Okay, so um, they, the, the headline is might have a blow up and then it says the dangerous game NRL is playing to green light Sawali's request. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what other information has come out? All it is is about the fact is the NRL rules say you have to be 18 and they're yeah. asking for a 17. And the way they just advertise that is full-on quick clickbait because you're like, yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. And then it was just like, oh, that's being talked about the whole Who time. Who wrote that's it? Even, it? It was on from NRL 360. So yeah, Fox right. Sports wrote it. Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry I just thought that was, I just um, thought that was awesome. All right. So, yeah, Bunker's come out. Rah, rah, rah. Gus Gould blew up about it as he usually does. Um but there's been whispers that Vlandy's been, well, not whispers anymore, but Vlandy's been reaching out to Gus Gould, uh, offering him a role um, at NRL headquarters uh, as a advisor. And when you dig a little bit deeper, it, it's mainly around the areas of grassroots football and player involvement in the community, which is something that he's done very well out at Penrith. Um, there's been some discussion around him reviewing the referee system as well. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I think this, that sort of signing has potential to have a lot, hell of a lot more ripple effects than any involving a 17 year old. Um, oh yeah. He's been obviously around rugby for a long time. He's been a player, a coach, um, board member, he has spoken, he's talked the talk for a good number of years now. Um, and it looks as though he's been given the opportunity to walk the walk now. So 
Yeah, so... I'm not saying that he's been going out saying, if I was on this, I could do better. But he has obviously been very critical of a lot of the decisions and made it quite clear that that's not the way he would have handled it. But he's been very yeah. good in saying, in not saying that if I was on there, I'd do a better job. So he's still under no obligation to accept the role. Be interesting if he did. All right, so what I would love is... So, oh, sorry, I'll go back. Um, for the last... Oh, so since New South Wales started losing Origin, um, Phil Gould has come out and criticised New South Wales, how they've done things straight yeah. after. And this is going back to the talk the talk thing. And I love Phil Gould. I listen to him every time he talks because I think he says a lot of things that people don't doesn't don't think he should say he's very yeah. blunt but he also sees the game very differently and i'd i'd love to sit down and talk to phil gould about the game just to just to have that conversation with him about how the game should be played and this that the other and it doesn't mean i agree with everything you said because i never have i haven't agreed with everything you said but it'd just be interesting but with the new south wales thing oh he criticizes from pillar of the post about how new south wales doing this that and the other yeah, and as Adam said, he's talk the talk. I would have loved to him for to go for him to go at least an advisory role in New South Wales squad because he seems to know everything that's going on and whatever. Um, and then obviously he's taking that step further, going to NRA. I love it. I reckon it's great. Um, it'll either shut him up for the people who don't like it or go well for the game. What um, I think I'm just hesitant on is. How much, like, he's going to be in there, obviously, for his opinion and, and he's got a job then to do. How much of it's going to be based on what he specifically sees as the right way to go? And is there still a committee that he has to answer to? That obviously will come out in time. Or is it a free-for-all sort of reign? I doubt Flannies would be the man to stick, bring him in for a free-for-all reign. But um, the next thing of this, and if you're ever going to read a jealousy story, it's probably this one. Um, <laughs> Uh, actually, one, one more thing with Volandis. Sorry? Yeah. I would love to love to then videotape Volandis and Phil Gould in the room together talking about rugby league. How it having should go. No, not 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 even having an argument, just to see what opposing views they would have and how they get around it because they're so like Volandis, we've all said it before, Volandis is just my way, the highway. Phil Gould is the same thing. Yeah, that's true. So it'd be like going at each other, but then they'll like work around each other, and it's yeah. He, well, Vlandy's got a lot more to work around. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like, I, I think Phil Gould would lose that argument. Yeah, and there's not many people. Well, Vlandy's job lose an argument, argument to. is a. Yeah, and job. there's not many people in the NRL that feel good would lose an argument to. So I reckon it'd be just awesome just to see. And then you throw Bennett in there just for shits and gigs. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so what Adam was saying was, uh, have you got direct quotes there from him? Nah. I just saw the head right. and laughed. And so Phil, Phil Rothfield... Oh, yeah. Outrageously stupid. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's saying it's the first error, error that 
Philandis has made in 20 years. And he reckons he ruined Pembroke. And he reckons this, that, and the other. And Gilders shouldn't be anywhere near Moore Park, the NRL headquarters. And I think everyone's sitting there like, if this was any sort of cover letter for Phil Gould to get the job or recommendation by anyone, Phil, uh, Phil Rothfield saying no to it is yeah. probably the biggest reason that Phil Gould should be appointed in any role, probably. Now, I think most of what Rothfield's talking about is a conflict of interest because he's a, a TV personality working for uh, NRL. Um, I can see that point of view. I wouldn't believe that he'd be the only one um, who is paid by the NRL or in the NRL that also works as a media personality, but he's definitely the most high-profile one. He points to the amount of money that Penrith lost in his four years there and the reviews he did into Penrith and um, St. George. I get those points, but when you do the deeper dive, they're not the positions that he would be involved in anyway. They're looking at what he did really well at Penrith, the building of the grassroots, the fact that they've still got one of the best or the best farm system or feeder system in the area um, and the player involvement in the community. They're the things that he's wanting to look at. He's not the CEO. He's not going to be the CEO. He's not going to be running the finances, like you said. He's just going to be doing those two aspects and maybe a bit of input on other aspects. Yeah. But he's not going to be defining the budget for the NRL. That's not his job. Um, anyway, so they're kind of the three stories there. Uh, this one's interesting with regards to the Warrior coaching. So uh, it's come out that uh, Jeff Toovey applied uh, for the job but didn't even get uh, an interview. It was, what was the feedback? You don't meet our criteria. Um, but at the same time, they're giving interviews to the Walker brothers and who's the other one? I can't remember. Oh, Todd Payton, who's already there as interim coach. So I'd be interested to see whether this criteria is ever released because if you're not going to give a... um, Premiership winning coach? A premiership winning coach a crack, it's kind of... Odd. I'm not sure yeah. what sort of criteria you would have. Well, it, this is... Oh, how do I put this? So, the CEO has made all these calls is a guy called Cameron George. Um, this is either a masterstroke... It's a grand final coach, sorry. Not a grand final winning coach. I did clarify that. Oh, okay. So, it's a masterstroke... Or it's a um, horrible error. So this could go down as a defining moment of Warriors history. Either way. Because Cameron... And look, I kind of respect it. Just because of the fact that he's... He knows what he wants. And he's going for it. So, Do Do you think he knows what he wants? Well, if he didn't want to know what he wants, he would have interviewed him. I I think that when you're when you've got a, a history of already coaching in the NRL, um, if you've taken a club to a grand final, um, 
I think you've earned at that stage. I think you've earned enough respect to at least yeah. have an interview to show your case. Um, yeah. And I think it's the club's due diligence, uh, the Warriors' due diligence to interview the best or the yeah, uh, most highly rated. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Free agents, I guess, in the coaching world. So, do you know what interests me about this whole thing? Yeah. So you just asked a really good question. Does he know what he really wants? Yeah. So I can't tell you what Todd Payne is exactly right as a coach. So he brought the Cowboys to a 2015 grand final win as assistant. Went over to Warriors. He's been their assistant for a while. Yeah. The thing about that interests me is that, as you said, they've introduced, interviewed Peyton and the Walker brothers. Yeah. So, so yeah, so from what I've seen from Peyton, which I really like, he makes the players really accountable. If you don't play your game, you know, this, that, and the other. Whereas the Walkers are complete opposite. They throw the ball around, make it, I don't care how many meters you make, I don't care what the errors you make, we're going to play really expansive and do what we want. Yeah. So you got one end, Peyton, the really strict sounding. This is how I see it, coach. Where the other end, you got the free flowing style, the Walker brothers. Prop compared to two backs. So it's really interesting because, like you said, do they know what they want? Because they interview two sides of the coin as yeah. far as coaches' um, philosophy on the game goes. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Like... And then you have to stick Tuvi in the middle. So it's Cameron because he'd be in the middle of the two players. He's yeah, really expensive. Half. Forward, half, yeah. two backs. Yeah, so then you you kind of go, okay, so is he leaning towards the uh, the Warriors being a strict, no frills kind of team? Or are they going to lean towards the Warriors as being a completely frilled, lacy, party dress team with the Walker brothers? So I, I don't know. I think if this wasn't a COVID year and Kearney had still been sacked because of the results, I think the Warriors would be... Not on the same level as the Broncos, but they'd be all the same questions about what the hell is this club doing? Where are they going? Yeah. Um, you've let Sean Johnson go in the last couple of years. You've now gotten rid of Kearney. When the players were definitely behind him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, what Dan Ganane say, he's one of the few journalists I actually pay attention to most of the time because he's actually quite... He's honest, but he's actually got enough fact and opinion to back it up as well. But he said, whether you, uh, this is about Tuvi, whether you think he lacks tactical acumen or doesn't fit in with what you're trying to build, I don't know, but it's pretty insulting to metaphorically defecate on a grand final coach when you as a club haven't done much on the field. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much how I saw it as well. It'd be like, the Warriors, I don't think are really in a position to be saying no to coaches that have finals experience because not many of their players do playing for the Warriors. Um, yeah, so it's super... It'd be interesting which way they go with it. Um, and I'm not going to that from a manly thing. It'd be the same as if he they said no outright to, say, Nathan Brown or Anthony Griffin or um, play, coaches with that much sort of experience. Yeah, uh, so um, Brown's... If anyone doesn't know, Brown won a premiership in England. He has a one, one in Australia. I'm just saying, um, like, he's coach enough in the NRL to yeah. warrant an interview so, as well. I, I'm, I, I'm, because by the looks of it, he's gone, he, instead of bringing in experienced coaches, NRL coaches, he's 
leaning towards an assistant and, well, two Q Cub coaches who've never coached in the NRL. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, I'm that I'm saying that's fine. I'm just saying he doesn't have to hire Tuvi, but the respect said to at least have the interview and then say, appreciate what you're trying to put there. Yeah, yeah, that's what we go for. Anyway, um, we're almost to games, guys. But <laughs> the biggest news of the week, yeah, um, well, arguably the biggest news of the week is the feeder signing situation. So we're going to look at this from a couple of different angles. As both non-Broncos fans, uh, ah. but fans of rugby league in general, this is a bad look for the game, the contract situations and how they work at the moment. Uh, we've done, the NRL's done some work in the last couple of years to try to eliminate some of the situations in contracts. Like there's no more back-ended deals. Uh, we'll get to that soon, but this is still something that needs to be fixed. Teams, so players been able to negotiate with clubs and get deals signed while they're still at a club, that sort of stuff. That sort of sideshow doesn't look good. As a fan, I love the drama that comes once the decision's been made and the two clubs are like then at each other's necks about this. Oh, this isn't fair. You should have done this. Fans are up in arms. I had to go through it when... Um, when Stuart left and then what Moe went and signed with our biggest rival, the Eels. Um, and you're just like, what the, and the other people are like, dude, this is sick. What Moe just ditch or whatever. The drama I'm here for. It's freaking amazing. But man, what another kick to the stomach for Broncos fans. Oh man. I. Do you know, do you know what annoys me most oh. about it? And it's something that's, um, annoys me a lot about um, New South Wales as well is as soon as they start doing bad ex-players start this cri- being critical as all hell about what's going on so New South Wales did bad but everyone knows that story and ex-players will criticise them after every game instead of supporting them oh. right now as soon as for feet are signed you still headlines of this ex-player this ex-player, this ex-player Going, what the hell's going on? This club's club's a joke now. Oh, I know. And I think that's been. I think that started well before the Fafita. Yeah, but it just it just like every single time something new happens, a new ex player jumps on it, which comes to the next story about which Walker brother was it? Chris. Chris. So Chris Walker got on Twitter and accused. Brody Croft of fake crying against the Warriors, was it? And put a picture of him mm. laughing and joking with his old teammates on Friday night. Mm. And then, you know, crocodile tears against Warriors. That's what he accused it of. And then Payne Haas teed off against him. Um, if you want to go, it's all over that everywhere if you want to go read it. Um, and then um, after that, so. To Payne and Walker were going at each other a little bit. And then Petro Sivanasiva stepped in and defended Haas and Croft and reminded Walker of how much stuff he went through his career and how he yep. showed, um, you know, how, how his teammates rallied behind him, how ex-players rallied behind him and that kind of stuff. 
And then Walker apologizes on Twitter this morning because when someone like Seven Receiver calls, calls you, you out, out, you listen. Oh yeah. That <laughs> is great. That's good. I I I didn't even know Seven Receiver was on social media. That's that that's just <laughs> in itself. Um I, I I don't know. I think the the ex players obviously have a right to express their opinion. I think this stems more from the fact that there's been a number of ex players, particularly outspoken ones, but ex players wanting to come back and help with the club and help with situations and give back and haven't. It, it seems as though they haven't been given the opportunity to do so, or it's been a thanks but no thanks. We're right, we can handle things. Uh, and, and it's kind of left a sour taste in a few of the ex-players slash legends mouths that's what we get that's that's what the club and the players and the media um allow us to know about uh i was at a, a coaching session out in the broncos last year for, as part of my job and michael devere was there as one of the coaches jack reed was there one of the as one of the coaches uh brent tate was in and around the club um uh, so I, I know there are ex-players there working for the club and with the club. And the club, as, as, a, as they are, they're well within their rights to not accept help if they don't feel as though they need to. So, yeah, I think there's a bit of a to-fro there between the clubs and the players, but it, it's manifested in itself through the media. And this is just a big, a big call in the middle of all that other stuff. Uh, well bloody done to the Titans though by sticking sticking to their guns and and using their salary situation uh, to get who they want. This is their big big marquee signing to take their club into the future, and they've done it as a time, yeah, where the Broncos couldn't be any lower, which just sticks the boot in uh, yeah. even further. Um, the, the cool thing on Instagram a couple of days ago, everyone's blowing up about it, but um, it's very cryptic with Tessie New coming out and saying that I'll see, I'll be with you in, a, in a, as soon as I can. So he's also a Keeper Park boy, grew up with Fafita. Um, if they lose Tessie Does he New, live down there? I wouldn't, couldn't tell you. Maybe they're just moving into each other with each other. <laughs> like I said, he's a very, it's a very cryptic tweet. He did just sign a new one-year extension with the Broncos. Yes. But as we discussed earlier, contracts don't mean nothing. So, um, if they lost for feeder and new, oh, Jesus. All right. So. This was really interesting to me. Um, for those who haven't. Listen to much of the podcast. I'm the one who likes a lot more of the statistics, analytics, numbers, finances, contracts, contract conditions. I love all that weird stuff. So um, what I started looking into was how the Titans afford it, how much of the salary cap does it take up, et cetera, et cetera, which just took me down a whole bunch of rabbit holes. So the first one I was going to, have a look at was this article by the one and only Mr. Jay Hooper, um, who just seems to sometimes just put articles up there that is 
Oh no, seems like he wants to make an argument for some reason whatsoever. So he put one up about the Broncos about them being stripped of their DNA. His basic two argument points were when the Broncos had players like Webke, Talis, Sivnesiever and Thorne, there were never cracks at the club. No way. And Alan Langer and Kevin Walters like to have a laugh, but they were serious on game day. All six of those players are Hall of Famers in our game. Um, when new young players came into that club, they had, like, when Ben Eichen and them came in, that's who they were around. Yeah, cool. Um, that's not there at the Broncos right now. It's not there at any club right now, except for the Roosters, who you'd say down the line, you'll be speaking like Cordner, uh, Orbison, uh, Friend, and... Warrior Hargraves. Warrior Hargraves. Tedesco, so Kiri and Flores and all Morris. that come in. That's who they're surrounded by. Those sort of teams come around, what, once a decade? To use that as a comparison is absolute crap. Uh, the, only other, the, the other team you'd talk about that is the Storm when they had Smith, Cronk, um, and Slater. Any young guy coming into that team was yeah, looking I'd at throw that. Hoffman That's in cool. there too. Hoffman, um, Tohu Harris, like... Michael Crocker. Mick Crocker. It's not every club's going to have that core group of literal Hall of Fla- Flamers, Hall of Flamers, Hall of Famers, um, perhaps even Immortals one day. So that that's just a stupid, I think, argument. But what it links to, I guess, is the lack of recruitment ship and development that the Broncos have done. They've held on to a lot of good talent, but have they developed that talent as best they could? Maybe that's where they could have utilised some of the ex-players and their leadership experience. You only have to take Brad Thorne and him coaching at the Queensland Reds the last few seasons um, to see that. Are they winning? No, not all the time. But they're hell in every game, and you can see the effort difference between the two. And they've got a very young, talented team, same as the Broncos do. The second thing Hoops talked about was what about the recruitment and retention committee who opted to sign Matt Lodge, Tavita Pangai Jr., Payne Haas, and Joe Hoffengowie ahead of Fafida? Fafida and Payne Haas signed in 2018. Hoffengowie was signed way back in 2015. I'm sorry if they weren't thinking of David Fafida in 2015 when they were signing off Ngawi. Um, Tavita Pangai signed in 2016. Again, two years before Fafida signed. Uh, is, is even, yeah, sorry, debuted, not signed, um, for the club. How big a... The way that he's written this argument that he's putting Fafida on a pedestal above Payne Haas and above Tavita Pangai Jr., who were both um, Tavita Pangai's played more games than him Payne Haas has played three less Another thing about that is That annoys me Seriously. Is the fact that I guarantee you A month ago Hooper was criticising In probably the same article About the fact they let go of McCulloch, Maguire And whoever else They let go of I think three or four Experienced players um, And the reason they let go of those blokes so they can save money for for feeder. Yeah. So he on one hand he's saying 
why would you why would you buy these young great players instead of buying Fafita? But on the other hand, you're saying, why did you let them go to keep yeah. him? Yeah, exactly. The only one on that is he also included Matt Lodge on that list. Um, Matt Lodge is on 700,000 a season. Uh, He's in the top 100 rich players. That's the salaries that they have released this year, the top 100 earners. I think that was probably the first knock against the club. And this was, what, two years now prior to, I get Matt Lodge is a damn good football player. He plays well. He plays hard. He gets under people's skin as a prop does. I think this is the first time where a Broncos of old wouldn't have signed a player with um, the type of off-field issues that he had. It just showed that they they were starting to they were willing to overlook off-field discretions of that nature just to help them win football games. And there are some other clubs in the comp that you wouldn't even bat an eyelid that would do that. This isn't one of them. That was. To me, at the time, it looked like a desperate signing, and it still, to me, kind of does. He's never going to win you a game. I can see he's a damn good footy player. That's cool. But even then, that's not the sort of player that they you would usually see the Broncos signing. Um, is Fafita going to give you more bang for your buck in the long run? I would say so. Compared to Tavita Pangai and Payne Huss, I think they're going to be almost interchangeable at times. Um, Joe Fungawi, he's been there before all of them, so I don't really see how they can bring that deal up into it. So that's a blah argument. The, the thing about this that annoys me for criticising the Broncos about um, losing for feeder is, as you said, you have Haas, uh, Offengawi, Pangai Jr., and then you've got Carrigan, Flegler, Lodge, Pace. who? Corey Pace. Pace. Um, Pace. And they've lost Lindsay Collins. Ethan Bullimore. No, he's gone to Canberra. Yeah, no. Well, so my point that doesn't is look like he will because they got Harrower and Iowa. Uh, so my point is about that whole situation is that you couldn't have kept all of them. No. It was going to be impossible because Carrigan's going to play for Queensland. Flegler's going to play for Queensland. Offhand Gary already has. Haas already is Australian prop. Yeah, it's 20k um, extra a year. Yeah. So the thing about it is, and I understand that people are going to turn around and say, well, why didn't they play for less? Because they wanted to win for the Broncos and this, that, and the other. They're not in that, the club's are not in that position yet to even start making yeah. that decision. Yeah, but that's that, that's what a lot of people... That's why they're criticising the Broncos because that's what a lot of players would have done. It's exactly what Kiri's done to win a premiership. Yeah. But the thing about it is that, as Adam said, they're not in that position to even see that as a viable option at this point, the way that's going. So for Fida jumping ship, would there be as a big of a stink if... Because right now, if they, if they put that money into Fafita, they would have lost two of them. Yeah, or three of them. Plus two other players, yeah. But now they get to keep a more uh, a well-rounded four-pack with Flegler, Carrigan, Haas, Pangai. Was already re-signed Katoni Staggs. And yeah, so they would have had to lose one of them for Fafita. Or How two, old is two, it? He's only 23, 22, 23. 
But so see, that's what people aren't three, understanding. It's a three-year with Titans, right? Yeah. So if he's 22, he's finishing his contract at the Titans when he's coming into what will be the prime years of his career. And yep. Broncos aren't going to be challenging for the title in the next three seasons, you would say. But maybe by the fourth, or the third even, sorry, they'll be taking steps back towards it. No, he's literally only... He's twenty. He's twenty years old. He's born in two thousand. Well, well, there you go. Like a three-year deal at Titans. If he does well there, Broncos are in a better cap situation. They sign him on a five-year deal back the other way. You're going to get the prime years of his career, twenty-three through to twenty-eight. And see, that's, that's one thing in Australian sport. About. We don't look at the long run. We're so focused on one season. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I would put Haas in the same category as Fafita. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, he he he's good. They, I don't agree with how they use him, but that's a completely different story. And then yeah, everyone's just got to calm down and, and realize that Broncos had to lose either three, two to three of them, or lose one of them. Yeah. And that's the it's, reality of it. And the other thing, like people, the other argument um, that they made for the times, how can you be throwing this much money at a player like this now? And I think it's another thing, like, we're so... Australian sports still getting used to this, this big money contract, that sort of stuff. Mm. You can't... Sorry, you can, but it is very, very rare to win a premiership in any professional sport if you don't have elite talent, elite players, someone, players who have something that only a minority of the rest of the competition have in games like basketball and ice hockey, where there's only five on the court or the ice, it's a huge advantage. Look at a LeBron James compared to a, um, a starting position player on another team in his position. Uh, James is elite. The other guy is freaking amazing because he's in the NBA, but he's not elite. You look at Fafida, he's got a chance to be elite with his talent set. You compare him to um, who's, a, who's a pretty good uh, edge Cordner. set rower somewhere. Um, Cordner, this by talent? Cord- yeah, Cordner. Cordner's yeah. never going to be... Uh, oh, he's got he's a lot of capabilities in, in different areas. He's got like leadership can still be a, a, a criteria, but um, a Gavin Cooper. He's a premiership winner, right? He's won a freaking premiership. He was a damn good hole runner, but he never had an elite talent. You could take Gavin Cooper out and put someone else in his position, and the Cowboys would still have very close to the same winning percentage, you would say. If you, there's only two times in a career or a club's career where you pay overs. It's to get young talent to your club that have the ability to literally change your club's history or you're paying big money for them to get there into your club in your premiership window. You know you're paying overs for them, but you also know you can't win the premiership without them. That's yeah. what... Another cool thing about it is... Bruce did that is... with Kronk, but they did it in a... They, they operated in a way that... They satisfied Cronk didn't need full-blown money, which she could have charged for. 
Um, I would say that if Kronk had asked for an extra 150,000, they would have found a way. They would have cut other players going, we've still got a good yes. enough squad, that, but we still need him to win. I got another, this is um, another way to look at it is that, and this is kind of irrelevant to an NRL premiership is, but David Feed is going to bring in marketability for the Titans. Yep. Because of, of his profile. But in saying that too, and this, this is also something I hate about rugby league. Um, he's an elite. No, okay, we've used elite a lot. He is probably the top 0.05% in a nines player. Right? Uh-huh. So he when he played for Australia in that World Cup nines, he killed yeah. it. If you win the nines amongst the rugby league, like NRL teams, that club gets a million dollars. Oh, that helps. He can win that nines comp for yeah. you and just you bring his entire salary. Two players. Yeah. So you yeah, can win a nines bring, comp with one or two players. Yeah, he can bring his entire oh, a fair chunk of his salary one weekend, and that's. Gone for, for look at, him. Yeah, look at Habitai Fidel for the Cowboys last year. We never yeah. even heard of him. His speed yeah. scored them like four tries at a slower yeah. wing. And for Fidel's got speed, strength, agility, and he's got an offload. That's exactly now, what you want. And see, that's the thing. Like, he's going to bring that to Gold Coast. I see this as an absolute win. And then you look at the actual premiership. Oh, actually, what I was complaining about is that you win the Auckland Nines or whatever you want to call it, and you get a million dollars. And then you win the grand final, you get like a million dollars. You come first in the ladder, which I think is a lot harder than doing yeah. the other two. You don't get a hundred thousand. What the yeah, fuck? We'll, we'll talk but, about that another time. But. Yeah, that, but um, yeah. Another thing about it is that <laughs> when it came out, we have a group chat with a few other blokes on our team, and one of them, oh, as you know, Kieran's a Gold Coast supporter. He, we we're talking about the Ford Pack that Gold Coast are going to have next year. Holy shit. It's going to be scary. So, I think what are they going to have? Fodawaker, it's going to be inconsistent, Aaron, but it'll be good. Fodawaker at the front with Aaron Clark and someone else. Sam Lestoni, it'll have to be. Yeah, with Ryan James gone. But then your back row is Tino with Fafida and SASA at lock. Yeah. Okay. Holy Brave. shit. Yeah. So. Keegan hit, yeah. Um, and Kevin Proctor's got to be fit in there somewhere. And they're getting rid of Cartwright and Boyd. Yeah, so that's the um, the next point here. People saying, talk about overs. I said, there's only two stages in a club's career where you can buy players like this. Early on, like the Titans are right now, where you've got almost no money locked up in players. You've got yeah. so much cap freedom, like the Bulldogs are about to come into. Or... You're literally in your three-year premiership window and you need a player and you do anything you can do to make it happen. Broncos aren't in either of them. Um, They're right near the salary cap. They've just mishandled it. So I'm sorry, this is not the time for you to be forking this sort of money out. Now, what I did then, this coincided with the top 100 rich list being released uh, for this season. And for once, it actually gave us money that players are on for the next couple of seasons. NRL has no back-ended deals anymore. So you can't sign a $10 million deal 
Um, and and get five paid. mil in one year. Uh, yeah, you can't get like 200 grand the first year and then 1.9 mil and then like five mil, something like that to make your first year nice and cheap to keep you there and then back end it. It, it has to be uh, uniform across the board or very close to. Um, so off contract at the Titans at the end of this season, um, uh, Ryan James, who we now know is going to the Canberra, that's seven hundred grand coming off. Seven hundred grand coming off the book for the Titans. Nathan Peets is off contract at the end of this year on six hundred grand. Is he going to re-sign for the Titans, Jared? Peets. Sorry, I'll okay. say. Are the Titans going to re-sign Peets? You'd say I probably not. Um, Kevin Proctor. This year. Kevin Proctor's on five fifty. This is his last season. There's been whispers around he'd probably be looking at the Warriors somewhere else. I don't see him there next year. Do I do. Is, sorry, you do? I see, I see Proctor there next year. I reckon they'll keep him. On a reduced deal or a similar deal? It has to be reduced. He hasn't got to the same standard. But okay. if Warriors prepared to pay 800 for him, that's their loss. I don't think he's worth 800 Yeah. But I think having him there, he's a premiership winner. All right, so you don't want to lock him. Need. Say we lock him in for, say, 500 Yeah. Okay. Takes a small loss there. Um. Jay Arrow's gone, so that's 450 off the books. Shannon Boyd's on 600 grand uh, for 2021 and 2022, but it's becoming louder and louder that he wants out. Um, if it's a club mutual termination between him and the player, club do not have to pay him out and they get his money off the books. So I'm saying he's not there next year. And then you've got Bryce Cartwright on 600 grand for next year as well. I also don't see him there next year. What would you say to those two? No. No. And I don't think they should be signing them. No, they're already signed, but do you think there'd be a club mutual club player mutual termination of those two? Oh yeah. I mean I I think it will be a mutual termination of Boyd. Yeah. I think Cartwright will go out kicking and screaming. I think he'll need to go to another club. Yeah, no, that's that's what I think. I think he, he's been saying a lot about moving back or at least taking a break from rugby league for a year. So he's either, oh, okay. he's either not gonna he's either gonna take a year off next year or he's gonna move back to New South Wales. Okay, so I'm putting money on someone in Sydney picking him up. Yeah. So I'm just saying he's so gonna just take his books. No no, I reckon they'll have to split his salary, three hundred each. If it's an early release, um if it's a signing with another club and it's a mutual release, that means they've got to... And they, it depends what the deal is to get them. So All sometimes right, the Gold Coast have to kick in. All right. What would he... Um, right, say he goes down at 600K. Uh, I reckon about 50-50 for 100 right, we'll say So say Cartwright's off the books, but they're still paying 300 grand of his. Okay, make a call on these players. They're off contract. Will they be re-signed? Tyrone Roberts. Uh, re-signed. Okay. Copley. Re-signed. Yeah, so do I. Anthony Don. Re-signed. Keegan Hipgrave. Re-signed. Tremaine Spry. Re-signed. Hasn't done it. Hasn't um, put and, foot wrong. And Sam Stone. Probably released, unfortunately. Probably go over to England with his dad. 
right. See, the thing is, I looked at it as they need all the outside backs they can get. Yeah, and, and see, I think out of that whole list, the one that would be most likely outside of, say, Stone would be Tyron Roberts not being there. Um, based on his nah, they, because they need experience in their half. So I've always said that Ash Taylor... You can has, buy experience. He, what? You can buy experience. Yeah, I just think Ash Taylor's just been... Um, I think he's got... I reckon he's one of the ones who's got too much money too young and too much pressure put into save the Titans. Uh, maybe Tyron Roberts has had his chance to guide him. Yeah. I said a couple of weeks ago, I'd love him to sign Benji Marshall next year. I reckon he'd be great for Roberts. I reckon that'd be a fantastic partnership. He'd, 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 he'd teach him when to flare up, if you know what I mean, like show to flare, which Marshall's been really good at recently. Yeah, right. Uh, I, reckon that'd be a, I reckon that'd be a great buy for them. But despite all that, um, I think Tyron Roberts is this is versatility. Um to come on when they need is going to be really good. Okay, Either so you reckon he's um, or playing for Tweed. still going to be there. Okay. Um, all right, I'm just trying to find the. Uh, let's have a look. Ladder fixes in that team. Okay. You can't even yawn yet, man. We haven't got to the teams. Oh, mate. We've gone for about two hours now. We have not. Yeah. And there's the Titans. I was looking for a yellow flag. Okay, let's have a look. Player movements. Our uh, current squad. All right, so for so taking them out, so for 2021, I'm getting rid of Shannon Boyd. Um, players locked up, so you got... You need to count this for me, yeah? Make a note. So you got Tanner Boyd, AJ Brimson, Aaron Clark, Dale Copley, Anthony Don, SASA, Tino, Darius Farmer, Bo Faymore, David Fafida, Jamal Fogarty, Fodawaker, Keegan Hipgrave. Brian Kelly, Greg Lasano, Sam Lasano, Tyrone Peachy, Jonas Pearson, Kevin Proctor, Mitch Rain, Tyrone Roberts, Philip Sammy, Tremaine Spry, Ash Taylor, Corey Thompson, Jared Wallace, Jai Whitbread. What would you say about young Tonomapia? 28. No, you didn't say young Tonomapia. No, but we so, that he'd be there if yeah. the Titans can do it. Okay, so how many players is that? So including Tonomapia? Yeah. 5, 10, 15, 15. That's 29. That's 29. So, yeah, so they'll probably cut two or three of them and try and pick up. I reckon they're going to... Their next aim will be an outside back and a half. All right. That's what that's all they need. They need a really and look, um unless they have someone like oh, who who's someone I could think of. Oh, Bradman Best, a young center, really, you know, dominant center who's gonna light up the world at eighteen. He's on a 
what, probably 150 to 200 a year. Um, they need, they need that really strike centre, I reckon. That's what... Because they've got Anthony Dunn, they've got young Tottenham P, a really good wingers there. Um, oh, who, who, who's who's a winger they could even buy? Who's a centre? Like, Katoni Staggs. Someone like, yeah, I know Broncos has re-signed him. Um, Go for who's it. A, who's, who's a young... Like, Campbell Graham. Yo, I'm just going to give you a figure of how much money they're going to have. Yeah. Um, who's another centre that could be really targeted as, a, like, a young up-and-coming is just going to go out there and play with no um, no issues. Um, I don't know. Like, if they wanted to go up to Bradman Best, that wouldn't be a bad signing. Then you've got, you know, someone like Zach Lomax, Jason Saab. Um, mm, so, you know that rich list of uh, of the top 100 earning players? Yeah. They've got five next year. And they yeah. take up 4.2 million of the nine point... What is it? 9.8? 9.6? 9.8, yeah. All right. 9.8 minus 4.2... So you got five million six hundred thousand to spread between twenty-five players. So that's an average of two hundred twenty-four grand um, per player, and that makes sense because every single one of their other players is already on under three hundred thirty grand. Yeah. So you re-sign Proctor um, at a profit, so say 500, 450. Um, all those other guys are going to be looking at less than 330. Um, Herman SSA just signed. He's probably the best of those forwards, so he's less than 330 because he's not on the 100 list. Um, you could have anywhere from 300K plus to be signing with. So Yeah, and there's got to be a young young player out there who they can really push for to put in the centres is going to want. Like, I know Pembroke just signed Stephen Crichton, but imagine they identified someone like that and yeah. threw free... Like, like you know... And that's what they need to do. They, they need to send their talent scouts out and just find that young player who's going to be a cut price deal who's absolutely going to be a monster and then on their next contract they're going to have to upgrade. But yeah. not someone... They don't need to have someone who's going to be worth 800 right now. No. They just need to find that young guy in the centres. I, I think that's where they're really they, lacking, yeah. that real strike in the back line. They've got um, two because, options. You either pinpoint a young player, like you said, who's got enough X factor that they reckon they can develop into a weapon, or you go for a veteran who's still able to find the line um, but is it going to be demanding big money? Um, because there's no point trying to get a star there now um, to win them a premiership. They're still a few years off. They didn't get Fafita there right now to win a premiership next year. Do you know what I reckon would be a really good signing? Uh, I know a lot of people aren't a fan of him, but I reckon you and Aiken needs a yeah. new atmosphere. Someone like him needs a new, and he wouldn't be worth much, right? He'd be 300 to 400,000. But 
pithy good signings. He's, he's small, but he's bloody yeah. tough and he runs hard. Zach Lomax. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something like that. And then if you go to the experience one, you've got to push for someone like Michael Jennings. Yeah, he just re-signed for two years. Yeah, but you know, someone, yeah, someone like along that, yeah. those lines. Yeah. So that, that, and then if you know, if you can snag Marshall for two hundred, oh, oh Jesus. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that that was a cool little look into. They've got a hell of a lot of flexibility right now. The Titans, um, and you only have to sign twenty five out of thirty, from my understanding. So. If they don't even bring back Proctor, you'd be looking at more eight hundred thousand a season. Yeah. So the biggest not, knock against him on. is where, 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 where do you see him? unless uh, they put Tino up front? He's not going to be in which, the back row. Well, no, but unless they put Tino up front, which he's been playing for Melbourne, so they start Tino. You got Lasone and, and Fodawaka. Um, no, I, I, I don't even rate Lasone to be honest. That's all right. He's not. He's, he's just yeah. There. But you got Fodawaka and 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 um, Fodawaka and Tino up front. Then you got Fafita and Proctor, and then you got SAS at lock. Yeah. I I I actually like that a bit more than Lasano starting. To be honest. Yeah. I'm just saying, like that. That's still an option. They don't bring back um, Tyron Roberts. You could free money up that way. Like, they've got options. They don't have to bring back everyone that we i got a question. Mention. Do you re-sign Peachy? He's still there for another year. No, but do you re-sign him next year? I don't know. I want to see how he plays next year. Yeah, because that'll be super interesting because he's the best utility they have. Yeah, because then, you, then you're going to have another whole bunch um, coming off in 2021, like Tanner Boyd's up in 2021. Aaron Clark's up in 2021. Uh, Jerome yeah. up. Brian Kelly, Greg Lassan, Lesiano. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting what happens between Fogarty and Boyd. Mitch Rain, Jonas Pearson. Like, they've got a fair few off Joe Whitbread. There's got a lot off that season already. Uh, yeah, cool. It made me look back at uh, an article Jamie Soward wrote at the end of last year, but we'll talk about contract situations. Further on. Uh, let's actually talk about round 11, eh? A round 11 wrap. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it was a pretty straightforward week with most of the favourites winning. Um, before we get into it, let's look at injuries. We'll fly through these this week. Uh, suspensions and signings. So, uh, casualty ward. So, Chad Townsend's missing up to six weeks with a calf strain. Could miss up to six weeks with a calf strain while centre Jesse Ramian is in doubt with hamstring tightness. I didn't see the Chad Townsend one. Uh, I saw Jesse Ramian go off. Didn't look horrible, but he definitely wasn't comfortable. So uh, we'll keep updated on that one. Um, Yeah, so it said worst case. Yeah, worst case scenario, one match out for Ramian. Josh Dugan will have his hamstring assessed. Because Dugan did not play. Um, so he's going to have it assessed to play his 200th game against the Broncos. Scott Sorensen will also be assessed. Uh, Sione Katoa should be good to go after having passed his HIA. Oh, man. This 
Oh, I don't know if you saw that. Oh, did you watch the Storm game? Uh, what are you talking about? Oh, no, no. Sorry, this is a different one. Paul Momorowski will miss up to 12 weeks after having surgery on a torn finger tendon. Now, that's what is happening here. I'm having three months yeah. in a cast, which I felt for They take a long time to heal. So that's Momorowski gone. And he's been looking really good. Um, Tom Eisenhuth for the Storm should be back. Jesse Bromwich could also return. We talked about Kamikamika's back surgery. Adam Clune and Trent Merrin have been ruled out um, for next match against South Sydney, both failing the HIA first step protocols. Hmm. Bit of a loss for the Dragons. Uh, Mikhaili Ravalawa was assessed for a medial ligament tweak, but he's all good. South of Balin, Hami Saleh sideline with a shoulder injury for a couple of weeks. Alex Johnson's still hasn't has to pass his HIA protocol to be able to play next week. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the one. Charles Nickel Clockstad, the finger injury. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, it didn't look nice. Um, so he's undergone minor surgery. Uh, He'll miss one to two weeks. Um, I'm trying to look at the new injuries. This is all stuff of expected to play next week, but we'll go over that for the... Uh, yeah, Andrew McCulloch and, Colin, Andrew McCulloch and Connor Watson, uh, both done for the season. Jeez. Newcastle and their hookers, eh? They never last... <laughs> Um, no matter how much you pay for him. Uh, Knights duo, Andrew McCulloch and Watson. So it looks like McCulloch suffered a pretty severe hamstring tear while Watson tore his Achilles tendon. He just can't catch a break, that kid. No. Uh, and Sione Matautia also failed to finish the match. Oh, jeez. Andrew's ripped his hamstring off the bone. Yep. Adam O'Brien said. He cuts to the point, yep. eh? Jesus. He, 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 he doesn't mince his words when he talks, eh? I'm just having a look at the players done for us, done for the season. You could build a half-decent team. Wow. Um, all right. Round 11 charges. Maguire to challenge one match ban for another dumb thing where he dropped on a player on their head while the player was on the ground. I rec I don't see... I don't see him getting off this one. Um, I wasn't, I didn't jump up off the couch being angry at it, but it was just dumb. Like Cade Cuss was already tackled, already on the ground. And he dropped down with an elbow in his head. Like, That's, yeah. I don't, I don't uh, see why you're surprised. I said I wasn't angry. I wasn't, I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> so he's looking at one week. Looks like it. Face suspension. Yeah, okay. Um, Carl Felt, Mitch Dunn have accepted $500 fines. Dave Clemmer will be able to play this week despite being charged. Uh, he took a fine. Uh, Melbourne, Doc, Melbourne locked Alpha Nukin will avoid suspension with an early guilty plea. Russell Packer will serve a one-match ban after pleading guilty to a crush attack. Yeah, it didn't look real nice. 
yes. So it looks like Park, Packer and um, maybe Maguire are the only two they're going to miss uh, miss time. By the look of it, uh, signing. So we know about the Fafita. We've mentioned Kapoa going to the Tigers. Uh, Daniel Alvaro and winger George Jennings are off to the Warriors for the next four weeks as loan players. Um, I love it how it's come out after the Warriors called out the comp, but this might have already been in the works. So it's good that they'll get some more game time. They're, they're pretty good pickups. Daniel Alvaro yeah. and George Jennings, they're, they're NRL caliber players. Um, Michael Jennings has re-signed with the club for two more years. I was expecting more of a one-year deal at his age, but he's been in outstanding form and he's probably taken advantage of that, so good on him. Oh, he's 32, actually. I thought he was a little bit older than that. So, yeah, 34. Um, needs 12 games to reach a 300 club, and he's got 154 tries. Wow. He's a freak. 300 games and 150 tries already. He's still 12 games away from 300, so he's scoring it better than a try every two games as a centre. Yeah. That's freaking ridiculous. Uh, Josh Kerr's put pen to paper on a new deal. He'll stay at the Dragons till 2023. And Brandon Wake, Wakeham and Ray Fatal Mariner have re-signed until the end of the 2022 season. That's good for the Bulldogs. Canberra have signed Hawira Naira for the next two and a half years. So you're Kawira Haru Nara going one way with Nick Kotrick going the other way next season, whereas Haru Nara should be at Raiders till the end of this season. Um, did we do the Jacob Saifidi contract extension already? Yeah. Okay. Jesus, there's been so much going on. Yep. This is nuts. Anyway, we can't help it, guys. Rugby League just keeps giving us stuff, so we're just going to Keep have to quickly get through this. Time a little bit longer. Um, so, what actually happened in round 11? I got seven out of eight because I think all the favourites won except for Newcastle, who screwed up my full round. Jared got a good solid four. <laughs> um, yeah, so Thursday night's game, Eels versus West Tigers. And this was a damn good game early on. It was just... Back and forth, back and forth. It was high intensity. It was fast. Um, both teams were showing that they're up for the game. Like, Tigers scored in the first minute, then Paris scored in the eighth, then Tigers scored in the 13th, then Paris scored in the 21st, um, and then uh, the 32nd. And so they went in at halftime with an 18-12 lead. And it was a, a cracker of a first half. Um, and then in the second half, Parramatta just came out and kind of scored straight after halftime and, and controlled the game from then on with Tigers getting a consolation yeah. try in the 78th minute. So watching this game was kind of like watching Parramatta versus the Roosters, where Parramatta stuck it with the Roosters for a long period. And then Roosters kind of just went bang, 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 game over. Except yeah. this time, Para was the Roosters and Tigers were Parramatta. So it kind of, to me, showed that Tigers have been good this year. Huge improvement, but they've still got improvement to do to get up to a Parramatta level. And Parramatta have improved even more, but they've still got work to do to get up to a Roosters level. So it was, for, for a, a completely neutral viewer watching this, um, I really enjoyed this game. It was... 
the completion rates weren't fantastic. There was some scrappiness, but man, there was some good good play. Like the um, uh, Luciano Leilua, man, like scoring after a minute, just running straight through them on that yeah. line, running over the top of it. Like, man, we're in for a game here. And yeah, it was brilliant. I had lots of fun. Yeah, I, 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 um, I actually thought Tigers were going to win it. Yeah, at one like point, in, in, yeah. In parts, they looked really good. They gave away yeah. penalties to two, which didn't help. But, but look, that's the way Titans play. That's they're they're very high risk, high reward. But in saying that, too, like, good on them. They 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 stuck it to them. Mm. Um, I was really questioning how. Um, who was it? Um, Parramatta are going to come back after what happened, but look, they stood up. They um, they showed them who was the better team on the night, which was really really good, because you know that they're at a point where they deserve to be premiership fav- premiership Contenders. not pretenders anymore. Yeah, um, they are now, and um, the fact that they came back from pretty bad losses in the last. Oh, last week, they lost against Manly, and they showed in the you know in the first half that you know that they, they, they looked a bit weak, but in the second half they came out and just went, nah, we are who we are. Yeah, you got to give show us more respect, and this is what we're going to do if you don't show us the respect. Oh, so it was really cool. Thing. I was trying to think there was like an epic moment in this game, but I was trying to think, oh, what was it? Regan Campbell Gillard. Man, oh, Regan Campbell Gillard scoring a fifty-meter try. It is the pace on him, mate. And then he he stepped stepped Dewey like he wasn't there. And um, yeah, it was uh, who was chasing him down? Tommy Talao, I yeah. think. Um, finally got to him, tried wrapping the ball up, and uh, it was it was fantastic watching that. And it was probably one of the few times I've ever been glad that they've gone upstairs, um. <laughs> because you got to watch it again, and and it gave the big fella a rest, which he needed. He's he's in, like he's in. Yeah. Run meters two hundred and forty seven. You take fifty off that because it was a fifty meter try. It's still one hundred ninety meters, um, on top of on top of what he already did. And yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Jennings got another one. He looked good. Ferguson got over the line, but it was called back. That would have been his first try of the season, but. Yeah, no, they just continue to, to look good and Tigers are continuing to improve. So I think yeah. Tigers are a few signings away from being yes. a really solid team. They're still one that they still need to fill up one of those center positions. Um Momoroski yeah. coming back next year is gonna help. Chris Lawrence at center is not your answer if you're gonna be a premiership contender. He he's there to Yeah. But they also up. got Leilua. Yeah, that's true. But how long is he going to be on the field for? It's like no, I, 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 I agree with that completely. But it's just going to be. Um, you put last that, year's the masters back in here. Yeah. So, look, they do have the talent. I think they, they just. I don't know where they, where they need to put him in there, but they just need to find, you know, someone just that's going to complete their team mm. because they're so close. Maybe a defensive player. Just like a really strong defensive player because that's where they seem to be lacking. Yeah, they don't struggle to score points. So Yeah. Which uh, is really surprising for a Michael Maguire's coach team, but it is what it is. Yes. 
they yeah that's true uh early friday night game and this is a date night for my wife and i she's a cowboys fan i'm a seagulls fan um I was happy to get the win. I felt Manly were the better team uh, throughout the game. The first half especially, uh, we were leading, went, went to the half at 12-6, but felt like after uh, Cowboys had a bit of a run that, that Manly kind of granted out. Cade Cusp had probably his best game since being in top grade, finishing off with a try and a try assist. Cherry Evans, Went through like one of the biggest gaps I've ever seen that close to the line. Danny Levi scuttled over for a try. Um, but Cole Felt looked awesome again for the Cowboys. He just keeps scoring tries as he does. That's two wins in a row for the Eagles. Still a little way off where they need to be, but that's two wins now on they, the front. They, it's your boy yeah, so if they get out to follow up with follow up from three losses. Yeah, so if they get um they win two more games between now and round 15. Yeah. When Trevojevic comes back. Um, that's going to be pretty good, I reckon. So that's what, around 11, 12, 13, 14. So two out of the next three, which just give us a look for a second. Next five, well, Manly Plains. next week. Pembroke, Warriors, Newcastle, South Sydney and Melbourne. So yeah. that's doable. You can get two out of three, the way they're in there playing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, mate, you, then you have five games where you full strength side on the field. Yeah. Going so, into the finals, you guys are going to be a bit of a threat going later. Yeah, I just like I just want to get get through this period as best we can. Man, that hammers our feet out. Towards the end of the game, he had a, he had a break down the sideline. It, it literally looked like he was jogging. Yeah. And then you looked at players next to him and they're just like, <laughs> Paul and trying to catch him. And then he's just stepping inside. Man, he moves good. Like, yeah. if you haven't watched this kid play yet, just watch how he moves across the park. He just glides. And Dejan Arce, or Arce, man, he, he's got some skill, eh? That, the 5'8 the from Cowboys. Really nice little kicking game. But he's also got a huge kick on him as well at the same time. But... Some really nice touches. Um, Cowan House bombing, probably the easiest try of the season. Hmm. All right. So, next game, we, we don't spend much, too much time on. Um, saying that, too, the first half was fine by the Broncos. Second half, has got blown out of the water. So, the first half, the halftime score was... Didn't look good. Uh, Storm scored after a minute. Yeah. And then, was it 8-6? I put up a sarcastic tweet saying... Oh, oh no, sorry. It wasn't 8-6. It was 8... It was... 14-8 at halftime. Yeah. So, look, that's not too bad. Mm. <laughs> but the second article... Look, everyone's criticising for the Broncos saying they were taking positives out of that game. There were some positives for them that first half hour. Yeah, for the first 20, and that's better yeah, 20 than, minutes, half hour. 20 minutes. Yeah. So, look, everyone's overanalyzed this game to a point. We're not going to spend too much time on it, but... Yeah, the Broncos did improve that game. Just white scoreboard, I thought. They played that first half, that first half hour, they played all right. The, only, the biggest mistake of this game was me having Tino on my bench in fantasy. <laughs> he scored like 115 <laughs> points. I sort of won, but. But yeah. But yeah. But and then 
we've gone to the next game. Um, Roosters versus Warriors. Another one where Warriors kind of stood up. Also Roosters on that Brody Croft thing. This is these are players that he's been playing with for the last two three years in the Storm. Mm. Um, it's probably the first time he's been able to see some of his actual mates, not just like people he's played against. So I think if he's going to stay back and and see a couple of them, okay. But yeah, yeah, like um, far out. What was it? Milford, 40 metres of eight runs or something? Yeah, it looks like Darius Boyd's gone back to fullback. The grubber went straight through his legs. For the... Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. All right. We're not going to spend... This <laughs> is just too much to talk about with the Broncos right now. This is... Yeah. All right. So, next game, uh, the Warriors stood up to the Roosters, which is really yep. good. They came out and scored uh, two tries in the second half. And the first half, they were up. 10-6. Yeah. And then they were kept... Yeah, they held the lead. Enough. But in saying that too, like not many people can do that to the Roosters. And we said it from with the Warriors, they're, they're going to come out and play some really good games and then they're going to play some fucking terrible games. Um, Roosters didn't play their best, obviously, but good on Warriors for only losing by eight points. If you want to Roosters only got one line break in this whole game. Yeah. Warriors um, got Tedesco, two, so. Tedesco again killed it, but yeah. Well, um, he, I I don't know if he killed it. He he, I think I read something or I saw something uh, as a half decent breakdown in that. Tedesco showed to Avasashek the last thing, the last yeah. What what's separating those two in that? The Roosters largely, oh, sorry, the Warriors largely kept Tedesco quiet, um, but in saying that. He still ran for 246 metres and set up a try assist, but you didn't notice him like yeah, and all over the place Adam, like you usually do. 246 metres, like you said, 22 dummy half runs, 10 tackle breaks. Mm-hmm. He killed it. <laughs> well, 22, just because it's a high standard. 22 dummy him. half runs just says that their forwards were wrecked. So it was a battle up through the middle. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But you, you say he didn't kill it. It's the same as oh. Tom Lolo. It's the same thing. He does that every week, so no one thinks it is. But if anyone else in the comp had those stats in the game, they would get three points in the Dalian. Yeah, because that's like a, a one-off game. But you're looking at Tom Lolo's... Um, when Tom Lolo has a big game... It he runs for average, 300. Yeah, it makes his average numbers look small. Like if, But what I'm saying, like, when Tedesco or Tamalolo kill it, they're killing their own numbers, not everyone else's. Yeah, but... Tedesco's uh, looking like this each week. And if you watch most of this game, because it was so tight in the middle, completion rates were 84 and 82%. There was a lot of kicking. So he was running the ball back a lot this game. What I was saying is he wasn't breaking the line like he usually does. He wasn't um, uh, he wasn't putting the other team under pressure like he usually does with the darting runs in and around the ruck and that sort of stuff. Most of the metres he gained was running the ball back from a fifth tackle kick. He got what what he was saying to two of us, the Sheck, was they kept in like out of the game um, by 
for say 70 of the 80 minutes, but in that 10 minute period, he set up the match winning try. Um, and that shows to Avarsashek that it's an 80 minute game. It's not 70, you can't drift in and out. You've got to be there for every opportunity. Uh, so it was good. And the, the class got Roosters across the line there with a, with a Tedesco compared okay, to so Tedesco. You take away his kick returns, he still ran 132 meters. Yeah, well, there you go. It's a. <laughs> That's pretty good for a fullback minus kick returns. Okay. But it's. <laughs> it's just. Oh, let's have a look at the Dragon Sharks. I bet you I can find a player in there with those stats as well. Oh. Oh, yeah. I didn't get to watch this hey, game. Toby Did... Rudolph, most run meters, 244. He's not doing kick returns. If it's a front row, that's his job. 244 metres of the front row. <laughs> see that. Every... This is my So, uh, Will Kennedy had a pretty good... Do you, see, do you reckon Will Kennedy had a good game? Yeah. Okay, so 11 runs, 67 metres. Yeah. Um, let's have a look at the fullback there for also St. George. wasn't as much kicking this game if you look at the scoreline. <laughs> Uh, Matt Dufty, they reckon, had a killer. Mm. Uh, only 114 metres. Mm. And he only ran 35 in kick returns. Yeah, there wasn't many in the way of kick returns because look at the score. The ball yeah. was in play most of the time and they were scoring. So it was 28-24. Yeah. yeah, so what what would you say happened in this game? I didn't actually get to It was brilliant. Game. I had so much fun watching this game. Uh, yeah. It was it was a derby that both teams you'd see wanted to win, uh, and if you look at the the first half scoring, uh, dragons, sharks, dragons, sharks, 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 and you're like, all right, they're starting to run away with it now. Half time, and then dragons, 53, 57 minutes, and they started to come back, 28, 24, um, and it stayed like that for the rest of the game. So it was 28, 24. At the 58th minute, and it's say like that till the end, and that's when uh, play started to get a bit more sloppy. Dragon scored the team try of the season. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. That was a full. That was like a length of the field uh, set, uh, finishing with a fifth attack, fifth fifth tackle kick across the across the field. As Zach Lomax put another kick through to himself. He's just getting better and better every week. Um, but this is the big controversy of the weekend. So, Will Kennedy's try, um, that wasn't a try. Was it Jack Williams, sorry? Was yeah, it Jack Kennedy? Williams. Jack Williams try, sorry, yeah. It was a grubber kick through. There was hands going to ground the ball. It was clear, like literally clear as day, that it was Matt Dufty's hand on the ball that he'd scored a try. Um, the bunker only looked at this twice. Oh, sorry. The bunker looked at this from two angles. They looked at it for 15 seconds and said that it had been grounded in goal by the Sharks. It would have been a six-point uh, try because it was right next to the post and Dragons ended up losing by four. It was very early in the game. It was the ninth minute. Um, things could have gone different ways from then on. It's not like it was the 80th minute or whatever. Horrible call from the bunkers. Two guys got dropped for the next day over it as they should have. 
but it. Oh, Sean Johnson was good. I just had heaps of fun watching it. It was just two teams that just did not want to lose, except for the last 20 minutes where they're both trying to lose because it was just errors. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, what is it? Completion rate, 84-85. Time possession, a lot more for the Sharks. 56-44% possession. Um, tackle breaks, 28-18. to 18. I'm just trying to see something that that stands out. Forced dropouts to the Sharks, four to four to nil. That's probably one thing that Dragons had a not the best end of some of their sets, uh, and it cost them a little bit more in field possession, field position, and time in possession, uh, which could have been the difference in the end. Yeah, I got nothing else on this. Um, yeah, probably Toby Rudolph's best game. That he's been up for. It'd be interesting what he does next year. Oh, where he plays next weekend too. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, next game, I didn't get to see. Um, the only part I saw of this was Jack John's debut and him getting pumped by the guy for Parley. Oh, Jesus. First and Matty John's just going, oh, fuck. <laughs> If he's going to give him any advice, don't run into Josh Papali. He ran straight into Josh Papali. Uh, <laughs> smacked on the shoulder. Papali's shoulder literally just did not move and John's like flipped in half backwards. Rabbit- Raiders just did it again, eh? They lost Charles Nickel-Clockstad during this game. Already without so many of their stars. Um, Rabbitohs were lacking in... I think one of the commentators said it Said it best. Uh, seems as though they're missing a certain fullback, and I think I really think they were. There was a couple of opportunities that they had that, from what we've seen with Latrell Mitchell this year and how he's building his game, could have changed the outcome of a couple of their yeah finishing plays. And it was twelve eight at twelve uh, ten. Sorry, at half time to the Rabbitohs, they didn't score a point in the second half. He- it's those games like that that Latrell Mitchell is going to have more of an influence on because he'll either bomb a try or score a try that no one else can. Mm. So, and with a six-point difference or a four-point difference in any other situation, he can create that or ruin that for any team. So, it's just, he, he could have been the difference to win this game or not. Yeah. There was a... Um... A try disallowed to Elliot Whitehead due to some interference further in the field. And it, oh, it was horrible because I think Dynamis Louis did like a beautiful ball, a delayed pass, um, face, ball right at the line. The last thing you expect is a prop doing a beautiful death ball. It was like a look at, it was, it was, it was like a look at the back pass that, um, Cronk used to do to Slater when he'd sweep around, but it was Elliot Whitehead hitting a hole, and it was like, oh, such a good try, and he got pulled back anyway. Um, Semi Valemi got his first ever try from one of the rebound, falcon, kick things that you see sometimes in footy. It was a completely random way to score your first try, but good on him getting on the scoreboard. Nick Kotrick looked really good. Uh... Jack White took the line on as 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 well as he always does. Yeah, it was a it was a grind out sort of game that the Raiders are doing. It's nice to see the Viking clap back and, and nice and loud. It's the first time I'd seen it in a, in a few weeks. 
I don't know how long the Raiders are going to be able to keep doing this, but they've now beaten the Roosters and Rabbitohs in back-to-back weeks with a lot of their big players yeah. out there now without Charles Nicol Cox had for at least two weeks. Um, so they're going to have to be changing things again. But they do have Corey Howard and Ira that will most likely come to the team this week. Mm. Interesting if he, uh, how, how much influence he and how fit he'd be. Yes, I didn't watch. This is yeah. the only game of the weekend I didn't watch. And yeah, I had to watch it. Um, I did see Adam O'Brien's comments that um, seems as though your players were complacent. Oh, see. Something about yes. his spot on the ladder. Yeah, so we played at Newcastle against the bottom team. And we, we made two full line breaks, like 70-metre line breaks in the first five minutes. Is that when, oh, yeah, and, you didn't score. I just saw the... Yeah, so... Jesus, um, you were down 18-0. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we did do that. Um, and I think that didn't help because... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying Aiden Tolman scored against us. But... Oh, um, far out. Look, we... Oh. It was pouring rain. We didn't yeah, respect the opposition. Down. We didn't respect the conditions. Like, we'll, we'll throw on our cutout passes when it's pouring rain. Yeah. Um, opposition and with it raining, we didn't respect Yeah, re, re, Didn't respect the weather. Oh, your boy and, didn't attach you got on. Um, we just got done in. Hey, freaking... Um, we we got beaten by a team who wanted it more, which Bulldogs have done it all year. They've just wanted it more. The only t- reason they've been losing is because they don't have the proper skill for a squad, and we should have won that because of the team we had on paper. So yeah, there's there's nothing much we can say about it that hasn't been said. Adam's showing me his broken finger that's awfully swollen and white and crinkly. Um, yeah, and. So for this team, we just got to keep. We just got to. Adam O'Brien's just got to turn their attitude around. That's that's all the players. I think just their keep the importance of keeping the attitude consistent over the whole. Yeah, season. and Newcastle, week in week out. Um, they talk a big game about that shit, but they haven't done it. Um, Ooh. and you can't you can't blame the losses of Watson and McCulloch. If he, I'm very curious what O'Brien names tomorrow. Randall. Well, I don't know. Um, Kurt Mann made 52 tackles in hooker on the weekend. Didn't miss any. No, um, they won't move him. No, no, I wouldn't be surprised if Mann played nine, Randall came on, and they brought in either Lino, Lino or Crossland on the sixth. Because he did mention that in the week, and he talked more about that happening than Randall playing. But that's a wait and see. But yeah, see. nothing much about it this game, uh, other than the fact Bulldogs deserve the win, really. All right. I drove an hour to watch off. it with my dad, who supports the Bulldogs. The last game of the round, um, I thought was going to be a pretty wide margin before the game started. This is Penrith versus Titans up on the Gold Coast. Um, Penrith went in in the ninth and 15th pretty easily. And it looks as though, all right, this is going all to plan. And then Titans, as they've showed in patches this year, just stayed in it. 
Uh, Trotters in the 23rd, 37th and 39th minute right before half time. Isaiah Yo scoring the 30th minute. And, and it was 16-14 at half time. And you're kind of going, all right, Penrith still have kind of control of this game. But you got to remember that it was the first game of the season they missed in Coruscant. They lost Kikau before the game. They had no Dylan Edwards. And, and they're three of their key players along with Nathan Cleary. Uh, but credit to them, they you can see that they were missing. Uh, they were missing creativity around the ruck. They were missing fast yeah. play the balls around the ruck. But Jerome Luai continues to look really good. He's he's doing all he needs to do. He doesn't need to steer the this team around. That's clear his job, and he's more than capable to do that. But Luai is popping up. Where he needs to do, he's getting his hands on the ball when he wants it. Um, he's putting himself in a position to score tries or set up tries. Yeah, Nathan Peets, 55 tackles um, as starting hooker. Uh, and that was a, that was a, a late change with um, Aaron Clark dropping out. So Nathan Peets coming in as 19th man and Tanner Boyd starting off the bench. And Joe Whitbread also came in as well. Uh, points off to Joe Arrow for that hair. And they um, for for like, this game, it was... So we, we set up the TV out on the back patio to watch this game. Yeah. And it was really good because... I was sorry, to watch the Newcastle game and this game was on after. And then when Mansour and Crichton went over, I was like, oh, crap, this is going to be boring. And went over and sat by the fire. And then Fogarty scored. And I was like, oh, oh maybe How good was happen. that, eh? And then Isaiah Yeo scored. I'm like, uh. And then they scored two tries in four minutes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. And then in the second half, between those two teams, considering there was one, two, three, four, five tries, and uh, six tries in the first half, there's only one in the second half. Yeah. And so, um, it, it was a fun game to watch. It's, it, it was just, I, I, I was just hoping that in the last five minutes, um, Titans were just going to get one more try. Yeah. Because that, uh, uh, Pembroke had an eight-point lead. So, just get that 22, yeah, 22-20. And I, I think Pembroke deserved to win, but it would have made the ending all just that perfect for it to score one more try. And, you know, had the old underdog thing going. It would have been interesting to see how Penworth were, would have reacted to... And how was, um, how was Fogarty's first NRL try in a set? Yeah. Well, yeah, in a set? Yeah, no, it's kick, off kick. Off a kick, sorry, yeah. 70-metre try. Um, yeah. And it's pretty much the only way Titans looked like they were going to get into this game because Penrith had all the running and Titans got a, a good bounce and made the most of it. So that's the end of like a marathon pod, guys. There was just so much going on. We had we had to have our say. Remember, this round's Indigenous round. If you jump on the NRL website, the usual green and black is now orange and black for this week. And a really cool touch underneath the team badges, the draw this week, um, they've got the local people of that region. So for an example, Thurzans is the Darawal and Yuan nations versus the Gadigal people. Check that out. And there's also an awesome article up on nrl.com about choosing the Indigenous dream team of the past 20 years. 
they've also got every club's indigenous jersey plus the design um, of each one and it's me the meanings of the designs. So some really, really interesting read there. Um, if you'd like to see, otherwise we're going to be getting to be quite late. It's now 10.30 on Monday night. So I'll get up and edit this and, and get it out for your listening pleasure or pain. And uh, we'll talk to you Thursday morning. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.